Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go with this probably. Uh, turn that up a little bit just to kind of get it in the groove. Um, yeah, fuck it. You know what? You know what? Do I have do I have that up? I think I have that up. Uh, what else? Do I have that up? I have that up. Do I have this up? Oh, wrong thing. <laughs> wrong, wrong thing. Where the fuck is that? Oh, this, 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 this is rough. This is rough. This is, this is gonna be a uh, disappointing one, uh, to tell you the least. Um, you know, I wasn't gonna talk about it at first, and it's gonna kind of throw the whole um, structure of the show off i guess right but <laughs> but i'm just gonna talk about it right out the gate because i saw a poster for this movie like uh i don't know like a week ago maybe uh or a little bit less than a week ago um and oh no we're gonna i'm sorry sorry i'm like live adjusting okay that's a little bit better i'm like live adjusting lights and stuff right now um <laughs> but no okay so i saw a poster for of course the new highly controversial uh untitled mario film <laughs> starring chris pratt as mario but what i didn't know until i saw this poster um was that this movie is also starring charlie day as luigi you know, you know, like, I love Charlie Day. I love Chris Pratt. There's a lot of things I love these guys in, right? Would I have ever imagined either of these guys playing Mario or Luigi or, at that, any of the characters in the Mario universe? Any of them? Like, what... I don't... I don't... I really don't understand it. I really don't understand it. But this gets... Even worse, uh, if these are confirmed people, I mean, I guess the only one that kind of makes sense is who's playing Princess Peach. Basically, I googled this Mario film, right? Just, you know, before the show, I hadn't looked at this before. I literally just set this all up and started recording this and whatnot. You know, uh, I didn't see this, right? Uh, didn't know about it, didn't know anything, blah, 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 right? Uh... Google it, be like, okay, Mario movie. First thing that pops up, untitled Mario movie. I guess they have some kind of poster for it, maybe. I don't know. Um, but, uh, is Anya? Anya uh, Taylor Joy, you know, uh, in so many great things. So many crazy movies. I think, wasn't she in The Witch? You know, so many crazy movies, right? Uh, she's gonna be Princess Peach. I mean, I guess it makes sense she's blonde. I don't know. Like, this is my problem with a lot of these, like, we're going to remake or take something that is, like, an IP and, like, transpose it into another, like, kind of art. I don't know. It just, to me, a lot of the times, people miss the point. Like, you could have made this movie for way cheaper with way less Act, like crazy actors in the movie and it probably would have done just as well because it's a Mario movie if you just use the guys that have been doing the voices for Mario and Luigi and Bowser and all these characters since like whenever the fuck or the people that are doing them now because I don't know if it's the same people that have been doing them that have been doing them are the same ones that are doing it now for the most recent games but I, why not get those people like I don't understand why Nintendo like hands this stuff off and then this becomes like oh guess what you know, 
um, we're just going to, you know, like, for instance, Seth Rogen's going to be Donkey Kong. Okay, now, on one hand, I get it. On one hand, I get it, I guess. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm like, really? And then the same thing for Jack Black is going to be Bowser. And see, th- what this makes, this is starting to give me vibes of, like, uh, the most recent Jumanji, which, you know, were fine. But, like, I-, I felt like they missed the original point of the Jumanji, especially if you're going to remake Jumanji. Because in my mind, it would make more sense that this weird game um, that makes things pop out of it and sucks you into it is also an ancient relic and not like a video game. Like the way that they decided to twist it in the new Jumanji's I didn't like. And this whole, we're going to get this star studded cast to do the Mario movie to me, just kind of, I don't know, man. It just, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know how I'm going to feel. Maybe they'll surprise me. Maybe it'll be like, holy shit. Um, I've been hearing different things about it. Uh, let's see. Cause I, who is it? Um, I'm trying to figure out if the people that have made this movie are the people that have made a different movie, but I don't think so. Um, let's click on the director. No. Okay, so he's just Teen Titans Go. What about this guy? No. Just more... Yeah, no. Okay. Uh, I thought it was something else. It's probably... I thought it was the... Because uh, I was thinking if it was the uh, Lego movie guys... Maybe this could have a shot, though. You know, I like Lego Batman, but it definitely wasn't as good as the Lego movies themselves, in my opinion. Never saw the Ninjago one. Uh, wanted to, but yeah, I wasn't gonna originally start off talking about this, but I was just kind of heated because this was just sitting off in the corner right here on screen, and I just don't, you know, everybody. I talked to a lot of people about this, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Hollywood's just risk averse." Fine be risk averse that's fine but you know like i don't know you wouldn't have any of these properties that you're remaking if somebody didn't originally whoops if somebody didn't originally take a risk you know what i mean like you wouldn't have these properties uh that you would be able to remake into infinium without the original people coming up with a concept and deciding to risk it and deciding to go for it and you know i just to me it just it's a it's kind of a letdown that we have to keep playing this game of like okay we're gonna remake it for the xyz time and we're gonna do weird things like cast chris you know chris pratt as mario to me casting chris pratt as mario is almost exactly like casting like tom cruise or somebody crazy i mean who knows i mean maybe chris pratt can get goofy enough with it to do it but my problem is this right if he puts on any kind of accent or voice it's gonna be isn't it gonna be i don't know if you'd call that racist but it's kind of weird right you're putting on like a weird stereotypical italian man voice um but then are you not gonna do that and then you're just gonna be like andy from it wasn't that his name like andy from parks and rec you're just gonna be andy from parks and rec fucking as mario which is just weird it to me it doesn't you know i don't know it doesn't make sense uh, it really none of these choices really make sense maybe the people will kill it and i'm just so pessimistic of hollywood at this point but you know pessimistic in some ways because i am excited for the uh new uh buzz lightyear movie um which seems like it's gonna be dope i'm super excited for it it seems like it's gonna kill it 
this summer. The people that they picked, like picking Chris Evans to do uh, Buzz Lightyear um, was great. I think the fact that they're going to kind of try to do uh, Zerg, it seems like. Um, I don't know if they're going to ape anything from the Buzz Lightyear of Star Command TV show. I mean, I remember I used to watch that TV show and I love that TV show. So I wonder if they're going to ape anything from that or if they're just going to be like, no, this is like as if Buzz Lightyear was a real astronaut uh, at some point, you know, (laughs) in like the story of that. And so I really wonder if that's going to be kind of where they go with it. Everything I've seen from it just looks awesome. It looks like they took buzz lightyear and turned it into like a sci-fi epic which is crazy and such a interesting way to utilize i think the uh um utilize the ip of uh toy story and kind of leverage it in a different way with toys that were in it like you know because in my opinion like they really just need to stop making toy story movies like the where they've taken them like i i was having this conversation with a, a couple uh co-workers about the implications of the fact that in like, I think the last movie or the movie before there was this, the, the spoon character that was like created the kid, like made the toy and then the toy came to life. And which brings up all these implications about like creating these creatures that are alive in the toy store universe. Not that I guess you couldn't take it there, but in my opinion, the third movie ended it perfectly with Andy going off to college and handing his toys off. That's all we needed to do. We didn't need to take it anywhere. We didn't need to do anything you know do what they've been doing which is you know the turning reds the lucas the all you know soul all of these Encanto, all of these different crazy pixar movies do that make more of those because that's what i want to see is new stories new perspectives new mythologies new you know i love that stuff because you always get very interesting takes on you know because it always seems like you know humans kind of had across the globe had similar ideas when it came to mythologies but there's always interesting little takes you know depending on the region and Oh, you know, oh, they had more rain here. Oh, they had more this here. And that's why they decided, you know, that's why they had this weird creature or whatever. Um, but anyways, uh, get, getting back on the topic, I'm super excited for Buzz Lightyear. I'm super, I, I hope it does well. I'm going to go see it. Uh, mainly, I hope it does well because I always love to see uh, sci-fi do well. Um, I love to see sci-fi do well. I love to see... Um, things in that realm do well just because you know i feel like we get a lot of fantasy you know we get fantasy of different calibers you know either get like some form of mythology that's bastardized you know that's whether that's egyptian greek you know whatever roman whatever we get some kind of uh, bastardization of the of mythology which in my opinion doesn't make any sense because uh you know, those mythologies are so rich in and of themselves. You just tell the story. Just give, just give us cool visuals. Give us a cool visual interpretation, but tell the story. Like, don't, you really don't have to change that much about the story. Like, you really don't. Like, maybe, like, the only thing I would maybe give is, like, shortened time frames. Like, if it makes more sense for it to be, like, years instead of eons, fine. Whatever. Like, but beyond that, like, you know, and, but Hollywood tends to like to, put their own effing spin on it and do all kinds of crazy stuff. That's where we get things like Clash of the Titans and whatnot. And so you get so much fantasy like that, that I'm always more intrigued by sci-fi just because even though sci-fi does fall into tropes, a lot of times, at least it seems like the storytellers are trying to push boundaries um, a little bit more than they are in fantasy because fantasy, you know, you're either like Tolkien fantasy or you're based on some kind of mythology or you're, you know, and it's always some, 
you know, it's either it's either something related, you know, something like the Greeks where everybody's banging everybody and there's all these different like demigod children related to XYZ and that's all the characters that you run into. Or it's one god and he has one son and then that character is like the, you know, the savior, you know, the savior story. So you either get all of these dynamic stories or savior story or, you know, you get kind of stuck into certain zones. Uh, whereas I think sci-fi kind of plays with form a lot more, even in storylines, kind of plays with your expectations a lot more and kind of does interesting things. So that's why I'm always more encouraged by it. And that's why I hope Buzz Lightyear does well, because if they actually do a good job, I loved Star Command and watching that TV show back when I was a kid, just because it was such a cool way to like envision Buzz Lightyear. Now we're going to tell you the storylines that you kind of like roughly heard about in the second story. But Toy Story, a little bit more, I guess, in the second Toy Story, but you still kind of heard about them in the first Toy Story of Buzz Lightyear and like what the hell he is and all that stuff. And I always think some of, sometimes instead of taking a mythology that way, you can always kind of twist stuff out and they have a perfect opportunity with this whole kind of like meta toy thing that is going on in Toy Story. So uh, I'm super excited for that. I think that comes out in June. Um and it's, I mean, Pixar has been on a pretty good spree. I haven't seen Turning Red yet. Uh, I saw Encanto, liked it for the most part. Wasn't my favorite uh, song-wise, at least. It was gorgeous. It was a gorgeous movie. Like, gorgeous movie. I loved how it looked. I loved the whole concept. I loved the ending. I loved the storyline of it. But in my opinion, the only good song that whole movie was the uh, We Don't Talk About Bruno song. That was a good song. That gave me uh, vibes of the Disney I grew up with, which was, you know, the Little Mermaids, Mulan's, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, you know. Even Aladdin had good, you know, there's so many, so many of those movies from that era have songs that are timeless. They're just timeless. And it's not because it's my childhood either. I will say that much because people will be like, oh, it's because it's your childhood. It's like, no, no, no. Go listen to those songs. Those songs are good fucking songs that work with the movie that are catchy. In my opinion, a lot of the problem that a lot of modern Disney movies have ran into in including Pixar movies that are trying to do the musical element is the songs just, they kind of almost feel like, uh, like, um, old musical, like, uh, plays, like kind of like very drawn out, uh, like storytelling, um, elements. They're not like modern pop songs and modern like song structure that has choruses and you know because i feel like that kind of helps it kind of tell a story a little bit better um because i even had problems when everybody was you know going crazy uh with frozen the let it go song or what it go or what, what is it let it go or let it be or it's not let it be it's let it go right i don't remember i hated that song i didn't that was my least favorite song of the movie my favorite song was the first, the song at the beginning of the movie the do you want to build a snowman song with uh you know her sister wanting her to you know play with her but she's always locked up in the tower and you know that whole um aspect it was such a great way to start that movie and introduce you to those two characters but it's such a classic like disney song like it's such a it's such a happy and a in and energetic and amazing and then it gets so sad and it gets so real and it gets so like it hits you with emotions that you remember feeling when you're a child uh and i think that's like some of the magic that disney has 
uh, and they did that with that song. And see, so, you know, there's some good songs in some of these modern Disney movies, but it's not like I remember it with uh, the older Disney movies where just song after song in those movies are just great uh, and classics that have just been, you know, around forever, you know, uh, but you know that's that's the thing uh i like a lot of these new movies i want to see turning red i'm very interested in it um even uh yeah be outside of the controversy just because i think a lot of the controversy with it seems fucking stupid but uh um i just want to see it because it just seems like a cool concept uh kind of like you know literalizing that but and so I'll, you know, I'll probably be watching that too. I loved Soul. Soul is amazing. Um, and I'm just going to talk about it now. Um, this is slept on in the middle of the podcast. Well, actually, not even in the middle. We're still fucking at the beginning of the podcast, but who cares? This edition of Slept On, I slept on Pixar's Soul. That movie, I can't believe it. Um, it was a very interesting movie. I regret not watching it when it originally came out. It very much kind of like i don't even know what to say like it, it's it's a very interesting movie i can kind of re i can kind of understand why it does it didn't do well um necessarily uh because since it deals with afterlife and it's so ambiguous about it and there's no direct like reference to a god or any kind of like mythology which i personally thought was cool and the mythology that they built the whole reason you know souls needing to find their spark and then they can go to earth like that whole thing was i thought a really interesting way to portray it and all of the different like whatever you want to call it creatures in the in-between that were these salvador dolly or whatever expressionist like weird you know like features uh you know, characters uh, that were like the guardians of the souls passing back and forth between the realms. I just loved how it did that, but I can understand that kind of um, rubbing a lot of people maybe the wrong way. I could kind of see it doing that uh, in a sense, just because of the, you know, you know, America's very Christian. And if you start telling other kind of weird, you know, uh, versions of the afterlife people get funky about it you know unless you do it couch it in a certain way because people are like no the christian one's the only one and the right one right and so you get these weird kind of like opinions and things kind of coming out that you i say i wouldn't have expected necessarily but you know and so that's where i can understand why it didn't maybe do well i don't know if it didn't do well i just didn't hear a lot of people talking about it when it came out initially um but Wow. So it did well internationally, it seemed like. Um, let's see. Streaming rights. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number one of that week. Yeah. Well, and the movie was gorgeous. That was the thing also about Soul. The movie was very uh, detailed. Um, like some of the, like, especially the instruments and the playing, but 
man, even like his apartment and the outside, outside, like when they're running around New York, just a lot of the details, the animal, the first, like the state, like the state that they're getting to with the uh, computer animation is ridiculous at this point. Um, even though they're still kind of like making it a cartoon and like playing with the, um, uh, the physical nature of the characters, uh, you know, it's it was a gorgeous movie, and I just thought the whole concept of it was amazing, and the way that they kind of set it up, and you know, Jamie Fox was amazing in it, and he's he's always been kind of like a stealth actor in a sense because. In my mind, I always think of him, especially when you see him in interviews, as such a like a dynamic, like, you know, like person that's just such a person, like such a so has a really big personality and really all about it. A lot of energy, a lot of fun, always seems like a per like, you know, like, a, a, you know, a good time and kind of like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Not subtle in a way is what I'm trying to say. But then he, but then he can blend into all of these different roles. Anytime he gets into these roles, he just, you can, comp you completely forget it's Jamie Foxx, which sometimes doesn't happen with a lot of, you know, actors. You, you, you still feel them in the role. Like, even though I love Johnny Depp, he's an example of, especially later in his career, you kind of see a lot of the roles blurring and just being like typical weirdo Johnny Depp. Um, whereas like, I feel like Jamie Foxx just kind of disappears. He becomes a vessel for the situation. Uh, and that's how I felt in soul. I forgot it was Jamie Foxx half, you know, for most of the movie and kept thinking and remembering, oh yeah, it is, it is him. Um, um, yeah. And so I kind of like the idea. It definitely gave, it definitely reminded me of Inside Out, which I loved Inside Out and like the personification of a concept that's kind of heady and philosophical, which is like death and life and rebirth and how that all works. I loved how they kind of took it. It's a very, this would be a good way to kind of explain to a kid without giving them any kind of like religious context, how you could say souls would pass back and forth between a planet and, you know, all of the ways that it makes sense. You know, I think this is like kind of like a good a good way to like introduce them to those that kind of thinking um it's i i was really i liked it a lot i was surprised by it it made me cry so that's a good mark you know good pixar movie always makes you cry and uh so it slept on if you haven't seen it you should definitely see it, it i like i said i felt like a lot of people didn't see it so if you haven't seen it you should definitely see it because it's i think one of the better like Pixar movies in recent time period, I would even say it's better than Encanto. It only maybe Encanto is like a little bit visually more kind of like stunning in some ways, but Soul just kind of conceptually has everything going for it, um, in my opinion. And so it was just such a great, such a great film. And I think you should watch it and, you know, definitely you know enjoy it and that was slept on this episode and it's weird because now i'm not ending the podcast i still have like what half of a podcast i'm not more to go but we'll, we'll kind of transition here something that i guess technically has to do with disney but i don't know if they're gonna slowly distance it or what's happening but um the new kingdom hearts uh leaks or not new kingdom hearts leaks what am i talking about the new kingdom hearts 4 trailer came out um and basically what that means is that it seems like kingdom hearts 4 is going to be you know on the way uh which is interesting um but if you watch the uh development 
or not the development, if you watch the trailer, it's interesting what they're going to kind of do with it. I mean, and it also it has a couple other implications, which we'll kind of dive into. Um, actually, you know what we'll do? Well, actually, we'll dive into this and we'll come back in. We'll just kind of combine this shit all together. Anyways, anyways, because <laughs> I was looking at my list and I was like, oh, I'm just going all over the place this episode. This isn't going to make sense one fucking bit. People are going to be looking down this like little list and being like, that doesn't match up with the episode at the fuck all, Josh. And I'm going to be like, you're correct. <laughs> okay, so Kingdom Hearts 4. Now, Kingdom Hearts 4 looks interesting. I haven't played 3. Just get that out of the way. So I'm not exactly sure what the fuck happened, um, but the trailer looks crazy. Supposedly Sora, now I'm just gonna talk about the trailer. So if you don't wanna hear about this or whatever, I guess skip forward or whatever. I'm not gonna put timestamps in. We're not gonna, I'm just talking about it at your own risk. So, cause it's a fucking trailer. Um, <laughs> basically from what it looks like uh, and kind of what I've read about the game and the press around the game, the game is going to take place in a city that looks very similar to like Shibuya or like an area in Tokyo, but I guess it's not. And it's a town by another name that has like a crazy like Final Fantasy style name or something like that. Uh, and they show Sora waking up in a fucking room with this other chick that's supposedly f either from that world or from another world or something. And then you see a massive uh, heartless that has similar characteristics to like the one that comes out of Sora's shadow, whatever the hell that one's called, I forgot. But similar characteristics to that, you know, the big heart cut out of its chest, all that stuff. And Sora runs up and starts fighting it and it becomes this crazy epic battle jumping through buildings being thrown and blah, blah, blah. You know, looks like the Avengers, but with Kingdom Hearts. Um, didn't see any, you know, mention of other Disney worlds, other characters, other stuff, anything like that. Donald and Goofy were seen at the end walking through some kind of darkness trying to find, I'm guessing, Sora or whoever. So that's what we got so far. Again, I haven't played or even finished three. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to go back through the series right now. Maybe I should just start three and fucking play it while I'm playing the old games. I don't know. But, uh, it's interesting that it's coming so fast. Uh, I was talking to somebody, they didn't believe me that this trailer came out. Um, they're like, no, Kingdom Hearts 4 isn't a thing. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, there's a trailer. They just came out with a trailer. <laughs> and they were like, there's no fucking way. And it's like, where well, I understand where you're coming from. Um, <laughs> I understand where you're coming from, you know, because we've spent like a decade waiting for the third game. And then they're like, oh, just a year later, here's the fourth game. Though I, I actually don't think it's a year later. I think it's been a couple, right? Um, let's see here. Ming Dong. Oh, it's 19. Um, yeah. So three years. So it's been a little bit in my time, in my opinion, respectable amount of time. I don't know if they've talked about the release date or anything like that. Right. Um, what this does have implications for, though, is there was supposedly a leak from NVIDIA, the GeForce drivers, way back when, um, early, what, 2021, that listed stuff coming to PC, such as Uncharted 4, Lost Legacy, you know, Ghost of Tsushima, you know, Grand uh, Turismo 7, the new Ratchet & Clank possibly coming to the PC, you know... Uh, all kinds of stuff from Sony's camp coming to PC, from Microsoft's camp, tons of stuff, including, you know, uh, 
like just all the typical stuff. I mean, Microsoft's obvious, but like Square Enix is an interesting one because all the Final Fantasers, on all the Final Fantasies, all the Tomb Raiders, it seems like the complete Final Fantasy VII remake, nine remake is going to be coming out. All of these different games, Resident Evil 4 remake, of course, we heard about that, but Street Fighter VI, you know, we have uh, possibly the new Bioshock, right? Grand Theft Auto 3, like there's all these different games that were included in this leak, right? Guess what game was also included in this leak? Kingdom Hearts 4. And Kingdom Hearts 4 was just announced, right? So this leads credence to the fact that a lot of these games might actually be fucking coming. I mean, we Batman Arkham Knight remaster, like Half-Life 2 remaster, like there's all kinds of stuff on here. It's a ridiculous list from so many different developers, so much different stuff that seems to be either coming to the PC, getting cross-ported to something. It was all a part of NVIDIA's uh, GeForce. Uh, I think it was a part of GeForce drivers that got leaked in 2021. You know, and a lot of people were like, whatever, maybe this is just like listings that they had, plans with certain games that they had that they weren't necessarily going to do, you know, um, and didn't necessarily take too much credence in it. But as time kind of went on, and especially now after Kingdom Hearts 4 has been revealed, and that being one of the big games that was mentioned, um, it's interesting and kind of leads greens to some other games that haven't been announced that are games that people haven't even talked about. Series that we didn't even think we were going to get, you know, remakes, touch-ups, anything of. So, you know, this will be interesting to see what people do. Interesting to see if it's just going to usher in an era of really, you know, shitty quality remakes um, who knows, you know, uh, but it's just interesting, uh, and especially being Kingdom Hearts of all things. And, you know, now Sora doesn't have the clown shoes either. So everybody's growing up, everything's growing up. Um, but yeah, the implications are interesting. Implications are interesting, you know, possibly a new Mortal Kombat, possibly a new Gears of War. You know, the Final Fantasy IX remake wasn't a thing that anybody was talking about necessarily. So it's interesting to see that all this is kind of coming out of or a possibility kind of you know a, you know popping its head out after the kingdom hearts reveal which is also another interesting thing that we're getting it possibly way the hell sooner than we thought we were um after especially the previous trend you know which was a decade or more um but uh in other news i was reading some interesting stuff so niantic uh i guess Niantic was the one that did Pokemon Go, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they did Pokemon Go. They did... Um, what was their other one? It was the one with the portals. I don't remember. But they did Pokemon Go, right? And they're coming out with this new game called Peridot, which looks like you get to have these crazy looking like virtual pets that have these crazy designs on them. And the cool thing about it at least as far as they've shown in the footage. And if it actually looks like this and functions like this, this is going to be crazy, but it's AR. So it's using like the Pokemon tech of like, oh, you see the Pokemon sitting right there playing around, but it's actually a pet, like a Tamagotchi style pet that is sitting on your living room floor, you know, with you while you're, you know, fucking around with it on the phone. Right. So uh, a very interesting concept taking this technology and making like almost like a Chia pet kind of pet using the Tamagotchi mechanics if they take it that direction. I have no idea how the mechanics are going to be. I just think it's a very interesting idea and could blow the hell up because everybody loves collecting little monsters, especially if you get to caught, you know, uh, 
collect them, especially if you get to breed them, especially, you know, if you get to stylize them and take them out and take pictures with them and post them and stuff, you know, all of this stuff is going to kind of lend itself to this getting more popular, especially if the game actually works out and is pretty fun to play. Um, so we'll see what happens with it. It looks really interesting. A lot of these creatures look cute. They're kind of like these weird amoeba kind of gel looking creatures, but tons of different designs, almost like some of them look like zebra stripes. Some of them look like underwater, like coral, like weird, you know, color schemes and stuff and all these different backgrounds. Um, basically and i guess they have like daily needs and all kinds of stuff that you have to do with them and the trailer kind of makes it really look like like oh you're gonna have a pet next to you it feels like you're gonna have a pet next to you not really but you know what i mean so it's a cool concept and it's where i think things like ar are really gonna kind of um go um because i think a lot of people like to be like okay you know ar or, you know, a lot of people like to think that VR is going to be the future and we're going to be on all these like virtual like reality, fake reality rooms that blah, blah, blah. Not, no, I think we're still going to be in the real world, but it's going to be all these AR uh, applications attached to your phone, attached to glasses, attached to something that you hold up to look through, to measure things, to look at your body, to do whatever the hell. Um, I think that interaction is going to be some of the futuristic interaction we're going to see in the next year and not as much the VR, just because I think VR is a lot more cumbersome than people give it uh, credit for. And I don't think a lot of people really want to deal with uh, setting all that shit up and putting on a whole helmet and fucking doing all that shit. So I really think um, AR is going to be where it's at. And it seems like this Peridot game is going to be a very interesting kind of like uh, take on that and kind of a direction that. You know, they're going to go with that. Uh, and uh, I was another crazy thing I was reading about was uh, the Oddworld dev saying that PS Plus uh, kind of uh, screwed them. Um, and then when I read it, so the initial my initial thought process and it's kind of the thought processes that I've had with a lot of things. I mean, even when you look at like Netflix um, and kind of like, well, how do they make money and how do they pay these productions enough money to you know, you're not making any money on the back end, uh, which is the interesting th thing. You know, it's, well, I don't know if you're, you are or not. I, I'm guessing the contracts are probably, you know, dictated in certain ways behind the scenes, but I don't know. But it just seems very odd. A lot of that stuff is kept hush hush. And, you know, with Microsoft getting in with the Game Pass, a lot of the doom and gloomers say, well, you know, how is Microsoft going to make enough money to basically pay all of these developers to make the games? And the developers are not going to make any money supposedly on the back end of that. So once that game comes out and if it makes money on all of its different copies, will the developer make money on that? Um, and it's a question that a lot of people kind of ask when it comes to this kind of situation. Um, and hearing the Oddworld devs talk about PS Plus, their free game service, which they've been doing for a while and having a lot of good luck. You know, I had tons of friends that were on PlayStation getting the free games. I did that for a while, you know. Um, and so hearing them talk about it being devastating because they lost out on so much money because their deal was only for this much money. And then the game ended up selling a or like people ended up downloading it a ridiculous amount of time. And because they had the game free that month, they lost out on all those downloads that would have been people that actually bought the game. Uh, a part of me is like, man, this could be where the Microsoft stuff, the Game Pass stuff, the streaming of video games, where that realm goes, right? But then another part of me 
also reading this article was like, it just seemed like the Oddworld devs kind of just made a bad play. They just made a bad decision. They didn't take into consideration how popular Oddworld would be coming back and how many people would want to play it. Um, and they made the wrong bet. Uh, and it cost them a lot of money. That's what it sounded like more to me. And it seemed like the media and some people were kind of trying to spin it that, oh, they got screwed over on this deal. In a sense, yeah. It's like Sony should have, I guess, figured out a way to compensate them for all the different times that the game got downloaded, you know, for free that month. But they also kind of made the deal and didn't think that the game was going to sell that much. And, you know, they made the deal for the amount of money that they made the deal for. So it's a, it's a hard proposition. You know, it's a hard thing to kind of like delineate and decide like, well, where do you want to go with it? Um, I'm always wary of the streaming services stuff. You know, I mean, I've, I've been talking about, well, you know, last, you know, several podcasts about the, you know, music streaming service and how that seemed like an impenetrable, you know, fortress. It seemed like nothing was ever going to leave any of those services. Everything was going to stay up forever, but there was a, it was a folly. It was pointless thinking about like that because we, at least, or at least I assumed, and you should probably have assumed that, you know, there was going to be something that was going to push people to start even thinking that they had that th ability to like remove their stuff from the service and then more people will fall suit and more people will fall suit and then stuff will fracture and then it'll just become ridiculous to keep control and you know contact with any of this content that like at that point you just buy the content just get a physical copy of the content if they're releasing it at all hopefully they are hopefully there's some way to get physical content or at least some kind of download that's like an actual file that you can keep offline that you can play anytime you want, because we're going to very quickly here rush into a future where, you know, one company goes under and all of their content you don't have access to. Like, for instance, if you like any of the Netflix shows like Ozark or whatever, there's all kinds of great Netflix shows, right? What if Netflix goes out of business and what if nobody buys all that content? Like maybe somebody would buy that content or maybe they wouldn't. Like one of my favorite TV shows, thank God it came back on Twitch was Attack of the Show. And they have years and years of content that never got released because Comcast owned it or whoever owned it didn't give a fuck about it and they didn't want to release it, which is understandable. They didn't think it would make any money. It was a part of something that was a part of a dying network. But at the same time, now that content's gone and you as a fan don't have access to that, which to me seems kind of ridiculous because as a company, you'd think that they want to sell everything they fucking can to make money on every single possible thing that, you know, they're holding on to. But again, it's not my money. It's not my company, whatever. But, you know, these are just the kinds of things I consider. Uh, and, you know, hearing about Oddworld devs talking about this with PS Plus, I haven't heard anybody talk about this with the Game Pass deal so far. I haven't heard anybody talk about this with... You know, I don't know if people are making deals with NVIDIA now after all the GeForce debacle with all that streaming stuff. And I don't know who else is doing it. I don't know if Origin, because wasn't Origin doing video game streaming. I don't know if they're still going to keep doing video game streaming. You know, we'll see what happens, you know, with uh, Game Pass and everything. Uh, maybe Microsoft has a lot of, you know, non-disclosures, keeping it very hush-hush, so who knows? I'm not sure. But I've yet to hear a game developer complain about the deal that they got from Microsoft for that, and then all the rest of the games that are on there, you know, ones that Microsoft owns because they just bought Bethesda and fucking Activision and shit like that. So it's just kind of insane. Um, but, yeah, you know... There's all, it's all, it's all kinds of crazy stuff. It's all kinds of crazy stuff. So, yeah. And another crazy thing, which I think is kind of uh, ridiculous and 
understandable because uh, they were having this problem with kick for years uh, as TikTok's being under investigation by the U.S. government for uh, child sexual abuse material being circulated. Um, and I mean, this was kind of happening with YouTube, too. Uh, with a lot of, you know, weird uh, people following like, you know, moms posting gymnastics footage and shit like that, like weird shit all over the place. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of this, what happens, I feel like on the internet, if anybody if when there's a will, there's a way and there's fucked up people out there that'll do fucked up things and put fucked up content on the internet. Um, and if you don't have a good way to filter that out, mediate that, you know, encourage people not to do that though that one is very moot and never works it seems like but you know it was bound to happen it was bound to kind of be i was surprised that tiktok wasn't looked at more especially with you know and again i'm not like a like oh my god bro coaching like you know can't have people dancing or doing like crazy shit but when you have like the amount of people i mean it's it's you see it on every single social media it's why like youtube had to stop all the comments on any videos that have children it's why uh i think facebook way back when um and even youtube though this never worked because how do you make people prove it but that's why they stopped people from making a profile if they were a certain age you'd have to put a fake birthday or do something to get past that i mean a lot of websites have kind of tried to shirk their responsibility when it came to children on their services being exploited i mean supposedly roadblocks has a lot of that stuff happening which i've never fucking i didn't even and i imagine it probably happened with minecraft and it probably you know and i heard about all the fucking i don't those one stream i don't know what streamers it was but the streamers that were fucking getting kids to get into gambling for you know cod like call of duty and stuff so it's ridiculous the kind of shit that goes down on the fucking internet that you <laughs> would never believe goes down and i remember uh one of the podcasts I listened to, the Darknet Diaries, um, they, um, they basically uh, had a guy. Right, they interviewed a couple different people about a lot of the content that was and a lot of the shit that was going down on Kick. That I, I don't know if it's stopped. I don't know if that's changed. But you know, they've they've had a lot of people. Um, you know, they had people on that podcast, and that's why I originally heard about that one going down, which is a crazy, that's another crazy fucking world in and of itself. And, you know, so it's just interesting seeing this go down with TikTok. I'm surprised TikTok wasn't getting the scrutiny initially, with especially with all the shit happening with the United States and everything. Um, and, you know, not necessarily wanting to have them come in and stuff. But, uh, yeah, shut, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Um, you know, uh, we'll see how it goes with a lot of these different social media platforms. A lot of people are spelling the end of uh, Facebook and the like, but, you know, who knows? You know, because, I mean, they've hung around for a long time and pivoted in multiple different ways. Um, and it's just, it's just very interesting and... Very interesting and very hard to kind of like, you know, p predict that kind of stuff and see where it's going and where it's going to do. You know, they're trying to push the meta shit. You know, everybody's trying to do the web 3.0 stuff. It's this all this weird, you know, gobbledygook um, and whatnot. And, you know, it's just kind of it's just kind of what it is. Uh, but. Yeah, so what I was going to talk about, we're going to kind of pivot a little bit. Last couple things here. 
that I might talk about. Uh, Blue Claire, love them. Crazy house music, uh, you know, from Indonesia. New song Funk Accelerator is fucking dope. Just came out, I think, the other day. Or today it might have come out. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but he's just been killing it for a while. And I've just loved his music ever since I started getting back into DJing and electronic music again, like several years ago. Just just his kind of funky, crazy, you know, like low down beats and like the bass and like a lot of the stuff that he does. It's just really great. Um, and I love it. Um, and it just really kind of it just really kind of like a it harkens back to uh some of the uh touchstones of the modern genres while still kind of keep like still bringing a lot of the modernness into it you know it's not it's not stuck in one era it's it's bouncing all over the place and i think that's why he's just such an interesting character and his funk accelerators him kind of going even more low down kind of more funky kind of more more kind of grooves more kind of drum grooves you know happening all throughout the song um inspiration definitely and just like crazy shit and i just wanted you know always want to hear more i always i i wonder because i'm not sure you know because nobody really releases albums anymore if he'll ever release an album uh or a more significant ep because i don't think he has i'm not sure but yeah blue claire's killing it um just wanted to mention that because i love blue claire uh and i was even thinking about djing with his new song um at some point but in the near future, but we'll see, uh, you know, throwing it into my mix just because I always like to throw his songs in, into my mix. Cause they're just so, so fun. Um, and then I heard childish Gambino say this, um, Donald Glover. And I don't know if I quite agree, but I kind of do, but I kind of don't. So he claimed that his album uh, because of the internet was about as influential as OK Computer was within its genre, respectively, and that because of the internet was his OK Computer in his discography, but also its uh, influence in the genre. Um, and in a sense, I agree. I definitely think that modern hip hop, especially pop hip hop, but even just modern hip hop in general kind of went very in, went more experimental after it got out of like kind of like the gangster phase uh and you got the polos and the backpack you know and they all reference it drake references it kanye references that kind of shift away from that mentality in a certain way um you had and and childish gambino was definitely one of the people that was a part of that transition away from a lot of those pieces of subject matter and kind of into like different realms, you know, taking rap and R&B and all that kind of stuff into kind of like different territory that wasn't just talking about, you know, the same old, same old. Um, and because of the internet for specifically him was also a very crazy experimentation, kind of him very much unleashing a lot of his like, you know, chops and a lot of the stuff that he'd been like, kind of doing on previous works but he had never I, I feel like he had never really it never really coalesced completely uh into something as focused and that album was pretty fucking focused uh it took you on a journey that was kind of had its very distinct up and downs but very like uh channel switching um but not exactly it it very much in a kind of weird way remind me of like songs of songs for the deaf 
by Queens of the Stone Age or something like that, that had this kind of like run through theme that was very literal that you actually physically heard and kind of interacted with in between the songs, but also was kind of like a conceptual, uh, we're changing channels on you here thing. Um, and I do think that like, because the internet had that same kind of mentality with it and that allowed him to kind of play with the different genres that he made, because I think, I don't know if that was a problem that he ever ran into with his music before. It never seemed like it when you listen through his previous albums and EPs and stuff. But I always wonder if, you know, there's always the thought in your head when you do different kinds of genres and different kinds of vibes of, should I put this with this? You know, it doesn't even make sense to be on the same album, you know, but I think because of the internet lend itself to having kind of like a sporadic thought process. And then, you know, the cover being him uh, with a like a very significant like red background, wearing what he was wearing, looking miserable, basically um, just looking very, very, very miserable. And just like it, it evoked I think the whole album kind of evoked the dread of the internet, which is not something that I feel like a lot of people talk about, but kind of the dread of the internet. And I imagine the dread of the internet for somebody like him who had a certain modicum of fame at that time period. A lot of people knew who he was. And so he had to deal with a lot of that like online presence bullshit. Uh, and the, it, I feel like that there's like, I can hear the songs in my head. Like, uh, what was that one song? The Z-Lot. Let me pull it up. The Z-Lot for something, um, because of the internet, that song sticks out in my head. Um, there's a lot of songs that like stick in my head. Oh, Zillot's of Stockholm. Yeah. That song stick in my head is like very particular kind of like, you know, or like the world star song. Um, oh, there's so many good songs on this album that kind of stick out, uh, and kind of, uh, elicit a certain, um, maybe aspect of the internet. It's very, and was this, uh, oh no. Cause his debut album was camp. Yeah. See, and camp felt like a debut album. Like he was just kind of trying to put a whole bunch of things together. Well, I was like, this feels like, even though it is a whole bunch of things together, it feels like a co a cohesive experience. Um, and I think that's why, because of the internet is interesting. The only reason I would kind of disagree with him on its, com on his comparison to okay computer is because I think he picked the wrong Radiohead album personally. Um, I don't like Radiohead, like okay computer. Cause I'm a big Radiohead fan as well. Um, and OK Computer was definitely a major like divergent point when it comes to like their ex their experimentation. But when you actually listen to it as an album, um, it's not that weird and it's not that different from like the Benz or like any of their early stuff. It's still very much trading in the um, like uh, post grunge alternative rock era kind of vibe. You know, it's not really till you get to Amnesiac and um, Kid A that the band just completely like turns inside out and becomes a completely different animal and like almost destroys itself and but then creates this crazy art and then allows them to kind of smash those two things together of that rock and shoegaze and that like crazy electronic experimentation. And that's where you have where you get modern uh, Radiohead. Um, and so I would argue that because of the internet for him, 
I would say that's more of like a kid A or amnesiac would be pick your poison because I atonally, uh, because the internet to me feels more like amnesiac. Um, I'm saying that right. Amnesiac, uh, and not cause, uh, cause kid A is kind of a little bit more like, um, ethereal and because of the internet isn't in my opinion very ethereal there's a couple ethereal parts but that album's very like fucking like in your face and amnesiac isn't necessarily an in your face album per se but it's a cutthroat album it's a very sinister and kind of uh you know brooding um unsettling album um and that's what because of the internet is and whereas like okay computer i don't feel like to me it's a different vibe than because of the internet um, though, if he's just specifically talking about influence, maybe, but I also kind of feel like, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't know enough about the history of the time period when, um, okay, computer came out. And if it was like way more influential than amnesiac or kid a, or any of Radiohead's other stuff, I would argue, you know, one of their more influential albums was, uh, in rainbows just because that album literally, uh, I, cause I think maybe nine inch nails and, uh, other artists were some of the other artists that did the whole, you can pay whatever you want for our album. And literally because they did that first, like made tons and tons of money based on just that. So, you know, um, so in a in that sense, I would kind of disagree with Childish Gambino on that, but you know, I don't know. I it's just interpretations and all that stuff. I just I thought it was interesting because I am a big Donald Glover fan, or and Childish Gambino specifically, like specifically his music. Um, but uh, I'm also like I I I also I think. When artists make takes about their own music, it's very interesting kind of people's opinions of their own music. Um, and I only, in a sense, slightly disagree because I do kind of agree with the premise overall that because the internet is definitely a very divergent and very interesting and very like impactful uh, album that is very different when it comes to the hip hop genre um, and everything like that. And it is one of my favorites of his still, uh, still to this day. I think I have it on cd somewhere um but yeah but that right there um i gotta say is your friendly neighborhood bottom fidelity podcast um i hope you know this was a good show for you i hope you know you have a great week coming up here i am sorry that or we have a great week coming up here. I have a great week coming up, you know, this next week. Even though it's coming up on Monday. The week's already started, but it's going to be great. You'll be fine. My name is Joshua V. Hill. This is the Bottom Fidelity Podcast. If you have any questions, call the call. Email the uh, nocleanmusic at gmail.com email address. Um... Yeah, and I'm just chilling. I'm sorry that I have not been... I skipped a week uh, and Easter weekend was crazy. So, sorry that this happened. I'm going to try to be more on it with my podcasts in the future um, and keep being on the schedule. My schedule is still going to try to be weekend, you know, Saturday, Sunday, possibly Monday because I have those days off. So, 
just bear with me. You know, I'm we're I'm, it's moving. We're getting through it. Uh, celebrate because graphic graphic card prices are falling, and I will fucking see you next week.